Well, it's good to see y'all here on Easter Sunday, and I'm going to ask y'all a favor. If there's, if you have any way to move in a little bit, that would be great. We need to pick up a few extra seats. So if y'all could just move in, get close to your neighbor. Uh, we're all about being really close. And I'm sure nobody here is sick, so don't worry about it. Um, so we'll try to, try to fill in some extra spots. Thank y'all very much. You're doing a good job. All right, excellent. Uh, Easter's a great time. I love, I love Easter. Easter's a lot of fun. I like to watch, uh, see y'all's outfits. Uh, I came here today, of course, I'm wearing a jacket. Uh, Matthew's wearing a bow tie. Not often that you see a drummer wearing a tie, and so I was real excited about that. Um, obviously, we all have mothers, and we're eating with them after church today, and so in our family, it's like the, it's the unpardonable sin not to dress up, so I'm sure I'll be breaking out a tie um, after the service is over today. But anyway, um, we are celebrating Easter today, and obviously I'm going to be talking about Easter. Now, I told you all before, there's, there's a, few, a few weaknesses that I have in my life, just a few. Um, one of them, though, is uh, I, I, whenever I see an infomercial on TV, I'm the guy that says, we I get that. Um, I don't know if you all, if the ShamWow guy, that guy is like, he's back. Have you all seen the new one, the Sticky? Uh, okay, yeah, and if you, I told the other services, I was like, yeah, if you all haven't, I, it doesn't, you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with anything? Nothing. But the sticky thing is, like, really cool. And so I'm sitting there watching that commercial, and it's only, of course, 1995, and uh, you get all three of them, so I'm thinking, we need to get a sticky. So anytime I see infomercials and all those things, you know, I think, we got to get that product. But what happens is if you ever buy any of that stuff and you get the product, you know, there's stuff on there, uh, you know, you, you can put, uh, there's hair in a can, you know, squirt that on your hair, you have a full head of hair. Some of you guys need that product. I was looking out today, and you might want to buy that. But if you get that stuff, uh, what ultimately ends up happening is it's, it's never as good as advertised, right? I mean, it just feels like that there's always a bunch of promises that are given, but those promises so many times turn out to be empty. And, and I really believe that many people, when they come to Easter, you know, they come here because maybe their, their, mom and, their mom and dad want them to be here or whatever it might be. But when they think about Easter and the promise that's given, which is that Jesus conquered death, there are many people who look at that as saying, man, that's just a story that is way too good to be true. And it just seems like that it's, a, it's another empty promise that's been given. Well, today, I, if you looked at your bulletin, I just wanted to share with you today that Easter is full of empty promises. But with God, an empty promise is different than the world. And I heard a pastor say this a couple of weeks ago, and I wrote it down because I thought it was good. He said, the world's promises are full of emptiness. But God's different. He said instead of promises full of emptiness on Easter, he gave us an emptiness that is full of promise. Now, if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 1. And we're just going to look at the emptiness of Easter. And, of course, we're going to be looking at the resurrection story. But just a little background information. At this time, now, you know, Jesus had been crucified. But leading up to that, Jesus was, had become very popular. And he was popular because he was an incredible teacher. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus was different than other teachers because he was one who taught with authority. He taught as one who knew what he was doing. Um, he, not only that, he, he performed miracles. Uh, he was performing miracles that really just could not be explained. Scads of people were following after Jesus. And what happened is the religious leaders of the day got jealous. And, and their desire was that Jesus would die. They wanted to get rid of him. 
Well, the promise came true during the Passover season. And during Passover, Jesus went to the cross and he was executed. But through this event that took place when Jesus was in his early 30s, we see that in this Easter story that God gives us some empty promises. He gave us empty promises on Easter. Now, what are the empty promises that God's given us? And very briefly today, I'm just going to share with you a few of them. The very first empty promise that we receive from God on Easter is the empty cross. It all begins with the empty cross. And if you go back to verse number 1, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. Now, it's no coincidence that the very first Easter took place during Passover. Uh, The Passover season is a time when the Jewish people celebrate the... uh, the leaving of Egyptian captivity. Y'all remember who led them out of Egyptian captivity, the guy's name? Moses. Me, Awesome. Y'all, y'all know. Uh, so Moses took him out of Egyptian captivity. And so this is the, the Passover. What happened is God had to tell Pharaoh. He said, let my people go. Y'all remember the story? Pharaoh wouldn't do it. So God sent plagues to, to, you know, to let him know. I'm being serious. You better let him go. The last plague that God sent, he said, if you don't let my people go, your firstborn with your firstborn male, with people and with animals, will die unless you let my people go. And he said, if you don't do that, he said, one thing that I, that I do, or one, one way that the, uh, the angel of death will pass over you, is if you take a lamb and you sacrifice that lamb and you put its blood over your doorpost. And this is found in Exodus 12, 12 and 13. It says, I'll pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male In the land of Egypt, both man and beast, I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. And when I see the blood, this is what God said, he said, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this is the background. Jesus was crucified during the celebration Passover season. And I I don't think it's any coincidence that it happened then. There is a parallel between Passover and the crucifixion of Jesus, of Jesus going to the cross. Now you might say, well, what is the parallel? The parallel is that we can escape death whenever the blood of a sacrifice is applied to our lives. You see, we have a payment of sin. We have a debt that we owe to God because of sin. And God says a blood sacrifice is required in order to pay off your sinfulness. And so that is why Jesus went to the cross. Because without the blood of Christ, his sacrifice, guys, we're all in trouble. Now there's no one in this room today, and I'm not trying to depress you, but I want to be honest with you. There's no one in this room today who's going to escape death. Did y'all know that? Every person in this room is going to die. Hebrews 9.22 says, It's appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. Now, now why do we die? It goes back all the way to the very first book in the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve. Y'all remember the story? Adam and Eve lived in a perfect place, and then they were disobedient to God. And because they were disobedient to God... Their relationship with God was severed. 
And so what happened is that sin entered into our world. It's, it's just wreaked havoc on our world. It causes death now. And now because of Adam and Eve, it is through them that it is in our nature to be rebellious against God. Now, ever so often I hear people tell me that they think man is basically good. And whenever I hear people say that, I say, obviously, they don't have children. I mean, if you, know, if you have kids, you know that your kids, that they are, they are not basically good, right? I mean, you just watch them for a while. We all know, if we're going to be honest, our kids are basically evil. And, you know, so, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. So the Bible tells us that that is just a part of our nature. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody's, everybody sins. And there's a price to pay because of that sin. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. So death is something that haunts people. It's something that's on our mind because we know there is a date with death for all of us. And so we spend a lot of our lives trying to figure out, how can I avoid that date with death? You know, how can I get out of it? And some of us physically, we try to do it by, by being in good shape, by eating right. And then religiously, we say, if I do good, more good things than bad things, then I'm going to be okay. Those things sound good, but here's the problem. God demands perfection. And there's nobody here perfect. Every one of us has sinned against God. And, and you can even be really good and only mess up one time. And it's still enough to separate you from God. Remember Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. James 2.10 is very clear about this. It says, For whoever keeps the entire law yet fails at just one point. The Bible says he is guilty of breaking all of the law. Let me tell you, that, let me tell you something. That does not bode well for us. Which is why Jesus gives us the promise of the empty cross. Why did Jesus go to the cross? To pay a debt that none of us can pay. None of us on our own, so to speak, have enough money you know, to pay off God for the junk that we've done in our lives. And yet God pays the price for us. Why? He loves us. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How is Jesus enough for us? Because he's the perfect sacrifice. So, you know, there, there's no one who's ever lived a perfect life. It is only Jesus, and that's why the Bible says, there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. Guys, you, why do you think we celebrate Easter? Why are we celebrating Easter? I probably it ain't eggs. It's not because we get to get together with our families after the service is over and go eat a nice big meal while that's nice. It's not because we get to come to church all dressed up. Let me tell you something. We celebrate Easter because Jesus wiped out death. Is that good news? Does death scare us? That's right. It is awesome. Does death scare people? It scares us to death. And yet Jesus gave us the promise of the empty cross. And the empty cross is a picture and a literal thing that happened where Jesus came and he said, I give myself for you that you might have life. What promises do we have on Easter? We have the promise of the, of the empty cross. What other promise from God do we have? Well, this is one I like a lot. We also have an empty promise from God that's called the promise of the empty tomb. 
the empty tomb. If you look in verse number 2, it says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You all see that? They went to the tomb. Was Jesus there? No. They didn't find his body. And while they were perplexed about this, two men by them in dazzling clothes came and said the women were terrified and they bowed to the ground. And they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead, asked the men. He is not here, but he has been resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and raised on the third day. Jesus has been telling them that he was going to conquer death. They forgot. They forgot about it. They went to the tomb. They went to the tomb to embalm his body. They went to the tomb. To, 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 tell, to basically say Jesus is gone and we are here to embalm him. On the way there, they were talking about who's going to move the big stone in front of the grave. A stone weighed two tons. Several women couldn't move it. When they got to the tomb, where was the stone? Rolled away. How did it get rolled away? Anybody know? The Bible says there was an earthquake. This story is also found in Matthew 28. There was an earthquake, an angel appeared, in our text, as two angels appeared, they moved the stone, and they spoke the most important words in the history of man. The women came to him, they basically said, what are you doing here? That's really neat. What are you doing? What are you doing here looking for the dead? He's living. They, said, they told the ladies, they said, he is not here, for he has been resurrected. For years, we have done whatever we can in order to keep Jesus in a box. We do not want Jesus, and when I say we, I'm not talking about you necessarily. But most people do not want Jesus to be outside that tomb. We want him in the tomb because if Jesus is not in the tomb, that means that Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, that means that God is right in this book. And if God is right in this book, that means that we will be held accountable for the way that we live our lives. And guys, we're held accountable for the way that we live our lives. We're going to have to answer to somebody for how we've lived. And so for years, people have been trying to keep Jesus in the tomb because many people don't want him alive. And we think if I just live my own way and I choose my own path then I'm going to be free. Let me tell you something. You're not going to be free if you just live for you. Your life lived under your own control. And its nature is sinful. In my nature, I, in, I, by nature, I'm against God. And if I live under my own power and I reject the living God of Scripture, I am on a path to death. Romans 8.6 tells me this. It says, For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Jesus isn't dead. As the angel said, he is not here, but he has been resurrected. And for some people, those words are scary because it means we're going to be held accountable for the way that we live. But these words don't have to be scary. And the reason why is because the empty tomb holds a promise for us. The empty tomb means... Life. The empty tomb means that we don't have to be afraid of death. And we can, we can know that we are going to die, but that God will raise us from the dead. heard a story about a father who's in a car with his son, and a bee flew in, and the boy's allergic to bees, and he's scared to death, and he's swatting at the bee. The dad reaches over, and he grabs the bee, holds it in his hand, then he opens his hand up, the bee flies off, the son's still scared, he's swatting at the bee again, the dad says, son, son, calm down. He said, look at my hand. 
And he looked into his hand, and the stinger was in his dad's hand. He said, son, you don't have to be scared anymore. He said, I got the stinger. That is Easter. Y'all, death scares us because there's a sting that comes with death. But Jesus tells us, calm down. He said, Easter means this. Look at my hand. He said, I have taken the sting of death for you. A lot of empty promises on Easter. There's the empty cross. There's the empty tomb. And the last thing I want you to see is there's empty grave clothes. And this is, this is good news for us. There's empty grave clothes. In verse number 8, it says they remembered his words. Jesus had told them, long time, I'm going to raise from the dead. They'd forgotten. Here the ladies remember it. Remember it. It said, returning to the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths, so he went home amazed at what happened. Ladies, they, they get confronted by angels. They said, he's not here, he's risen. And the ladies, they get excited about it. And so they run back, and they tell the other disciples, there's 11 of them now, they run back and say, hey, Jesus isn't there anymore. The angel said he's risen. And the disciples all got excited, and they rejoiced with them, right? That's not what it says. It says they, didn't, they thought they were a bunch of crazy women, and they didn't believe a word they said. Now, just a little side note here, and I don't, y'all don't, ladies, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you history. All right, here's the history. The testimony of women back in this day was not valid in a court of law. Isn't that interesting? So whenever the disciples heard from these women, they, they just said that we can't believe anything they say. Now, which to me is interesting that the first people to find out about the resurrection of Jesus were a group of ladies who would not have been good witnesses Back in this day, to me, that just shows that shows the validity of Scripture. Just say, the Bible's real honest. These ladies find out. So they tell the disciples. The disciples don't believe them. The same story is told in Matthew 28. There's two other disciples, Peter and John. They hear these ladies, and they say, we've got to find this out for ourselves. So they get up. It says they run to the tomb. Now, you all know, uh, you're familiar with Peter, I know. Uh, and Peter's one of my favorite people in Scripture. And the reason why is because... Peter's a guy that's always, he's always shooting off at the mouth. Uh, he's got always, he always acts before he thinks. Y'all remember the story on the Sea of Galilee? He says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come, tell me to, come to you. All the other disciples send the boat. It's a big storm. Peter jumps out of the boat. Here I come, Lord. He's, he's walking on water. He ends up sinking, but he, this guy is always doing stuff like that. Well, Peter gets to the tomb, and John stops, and he looks in, according to Matthew 28. When Peter gets there, he just goes barging into the tomb. And he runs in there, and he looks, and what does he see? Empty clothes. There is no body in the clothes. What does that mean? It means Jesus is not there. It says, Peter left, and he was amazed. Now, I know that is, now obviously, Easter, y'all, resurrection story, this is, this is a big-time story right here. And it can sound too good to be true. And it can sound too good to be true because let me ask you a question. How many of y'all know somebody who has died and has come back to life again? And I'm not talking about those people who say, well, he was dead for 15 minutes and then he lived again. How many of y'all known people who have been dead for three days and after three days they got up out of the grave? Anyway, it, don't, if you say yes, don't raise your hand because you're crazy. Okay? <laughs> nobody, nobody knows anybody like that. Why? Because that doesn't happen. 
I mean, it's just absolutely impossible unless you are the Son of God and you have power and victory over death. Jesus rose from the grave so that he could get to know his followers again. You know, a lot of us, we, we, we know, it's possible to know about someone or something, but not really to know them. You know, I know, uh, you know, I know, about, I know about President Obama. I know about uh, Tiger Woods. I know some of you are already thinking about that. How are they going to do today, the Masters? You know, I know about Phil Mickelson, but I don't know them, you know. I, mean, I know about them, but I don't know them. Some of you, you know, you know about Jesus. You know about the resurrection story. You know about his teaching and healing ministry. You know a lot of stuff about Jesus. But there's a lot of us that while we know about him, we don't know him. And that's why, that's why God gave us the empty promises of Easter. So that we might know him. That's why he gave us the empty cross so that we can be justified and brought into relationship with God. We might know him. That's why he gave us the story of the, or the promise of the empty tomb. There had to be a resurrection for people like us today to be able to know Jesus, to have relationship with him. If he's still dead, we can't know him. That's why he gave us the promise of the, of the empty clothes to remind us that he's going to come again clothed in power so that we might be able to meet him and know him. We need to know Jesus. Now here's my question for you. Do you know him? You might know about Easter but do you know him? Now, the Bible, as you look through the Bible and you look through Easter, there's a lot of outlandish promises there. And sometimes we just think, look at those things and we think, man, that is, that is just such a big promise. I, can I really believe that? Well, that's a question you have to ask yourself. Can you believe and trust in the God of Scripture? Can you believe and trust that when God gives his word, that he keeps his word? You know, so many of us are willing to say that we believe that we believe in heaven. And yet we struggle with believing that God has power over death. How in the world could it be heaven if God can't conquer death? So the question is, will you believe? Will you believe Romans 10.13 that says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you believe that? Easter, it's a great story. But guys, for it to matter or mean anything in your life, you have to receive it and trust that God, when he gives his word, he keeps his word. And that when he speaks, he speaks truth. Where is Jesus? I go back to what, what the angel said when they said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has been resurrected.